computer is giving us a new readout. It says that rigid demographics don't appeal to human beings at all. That can't be! How can people like more than one thing at a time? The computer detects some kind of paradigm shift. You see, people are tuning in to this bizarre frequency. It's on the left side of the dial. Why, I've never turned my dial to that side before. Let me see that. It's less than 100. It's... It's 88.3 WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and it seems to be spreading throughout the world. Courtesy of www.wcbn.org on the internet. The internet? I thought that was just for advertising. And porn. Let's launch one of these cutting-edge stations. We'll play everything from Kenny G to light jazz. It's revolutionary. I like it. Don't take your musical cues from corporate broadcast headquarters. Tune into Freeform on WCBN, FM, Ann Arbor to hear DJs who care about music, not demographics. We're on the air. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, boy. Last week was the Spanish Inquisition all over America. And unfortunately, cushions and comfy chairs were not available. (laughs) What a wacky week. We spend most of the week listening to experts about the oldest profession in the world. Or is it the second oldest? The second oldest, as uh, (laughs) was once observed, yeah. Well, there's a debate about that in spine, I think. Not enough focus on spine. But, of course, the Spitzer case, uh, you know, obviously his problems were magnified by the fact that he had a previous record of being somewhat of a zealous prosecutor, so hypocrisy abounded. And at the end of the day, it was just public opinion that drummed him out. Uh, I think he faced reality. And he knew that he was not going to survive the New York media circus. Uh, What he did was wrong, but I don't think the Mann Act applies. I think that all the speculation about criminal activity is a little corny. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Metro Times lately, but, boy, there's a lot of ads for escort services in there. And one wonders how aggressively the FBI is investigating these escort services. Uh, So there is something about this case that troubles me uh, as it relates to FISA and what is our federal government really focusing on. Um, Obviously, the decline of Elliot Spitzer's political career will fascinate historians for quite some time. But uh, phony sex scandals and sex scandals have definitely sabotaged a few people. Uh, in recent years. Gary Hart, of course, comes to mind most prominently. And I think it's always important to remember that he was clearly set up by the friend, quote-unquote, of Donna Rice, Lynn Almond, who was highly connected to the RNC. Gary Hart, of course, was going into the 1988 presidential election the leading contender, and he was, as they say, taken out uh, by a former head of the CIA, George H.W. Bush, member of the Carlisle Group uh, that uh, apparently is in... Recently fallen on hard times. Deep doo-doo with uh, loans being called in by 
the capitalist uh, house of cards system that uh, also, of course, uh, showed some signs of collapse this weekend as well as today. So this is a fascinating story, and it's rare that I agree with Alan Dershowitz, but I do think there should be a bit of an investigation into the investigation. I don't think that's going to be forthcoming, but I believe it should be. Uh, Elliot Spitzer could well have been set up. On the other hand, he took the bait. He was a sucker. He was a fool. But nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition until it shows up at your door. <clears throat> and then, of course, we've had the Spanish Inquisition regarding the Reverend Wright and Barack Obama, Geraldine Ferraro. What, what a hapless, pathetic um, story that is in and of itself. And, of course, that famous phrase that we heard all day today, moral hazard, as it relates to the uh, demise of Bear Stearns, a yeah. stock uh, trading company, brokerage house, uh, quote-unquote investment bank that survived the Great Depression. Um, George Bush's uh, response to this is, uh, what did he say? Quote, I'm coming to you as an optimistic fellow, he told the Economic Club of oh, New yeah, York on Friday. Remarkable comments there. Uh, at Quote, that. our economy obviously is going through tough times, and folks are concerned about making their bills. Making their bills? What does that mean? <laughs> Paying the bills, dude. Well, he's never had to handle that. Making the speaking. bills refers to corporate people that bill clients for services right. rendered. Uh, perhaps he's thinking of the difficulty that the Carlisle Group is having uh, making their bills. They can't make up any more bills. They're probably uh, eminently going to collapse. And don't be surprised, by the way, if this Cerebrus organization, headed by former Secretary John Snow, buyer of Chrysler, that announced that they're taking a two-week holiday later this summer, wow. which all employees globally will uh, have a two weeks off without pay. Um, I'm sure that that will not be the end of the world for the people who may want a two-week vacation for a change. But uh, the notion, as Mr. Bush asserts, and we'll just give him a brain damage award because uh, we have all kinds of things to talk about him, uh, the notion um, that, quote, the foundation is solid is false. <laughs> there are lots of problems with the foundation, the housing sector, the auto sector, the banking sector, this financial services sector. Agricultural markets. This goes on and on. Agricultural equipment makers are going to do fine. John Deere and uh, Caterpillar, hey, if you got any spare change out there, you got a stock tip from me. Don't bet the farm on it, but uh, I'm a little unclear. George Bush boasted about, as the New York Times in their editorial entitled Bush Through Bush-Colored Glasses talks about 52 consecutive growth uh, months of job growth during his presidency. And yet, as they note, this is the worst performance over a business cycle since the government began keeping track of statistics in 1945. So much for Reaganomics and tax cuts and the idea that this 
has uh, bolstered the economy. But then George, uh, George Bush's uh, happy, smiley face about how... He's an optimistic fella. Uh, yeah, he's a fellow. I didn't know he was a fellow. I thought that was uh, Larry Craig. <laughs> well, I think Maureen Dowd pithily observed that this could be a return to uh, W's uh, career as a college cheerleader. Let's and, hope so. Uh, putting the, the bold face on uh, when really uh, all the news is bad. Uh, a number of serious explosions in Iraq, uh, new fatalities there, uh, gold crusting uh, over $1,000 an ounce, which is itself a uh, token of a declining dollar. And uh, where does Bush go? Well, I've got to give him a brain damage award for going to the Ukraine. Um, this is bizarre. Um, there's already a dispute between uh, Russia and the Ukraine over uh, the Russian gas company Gazprom, uh, who, of course, uh, market gas, natural gas, that is, uh, harvested from former Soviet republics, uh, selling it in Europe. There's, uh, it says here in the Financial Times of uh, March 12th, that a move that could complicate tense energy negotiations between Kiev and Moscow, leading to higher prices for European consumers. Um, Gazprom announced that uh, natural gas producers in Central Asia are sharply raising export prices to quote-unquote, European levels. Well, uh, Bush goes off to the Ukraine. Uh, this from another Financial Times article, March 14th. Uh, ahead of a high-profile NATO summit in Bucharest next month, raising the stakes in a dispute within the NATO alliance over how quickly the former Soviet state should proceed towards membership. Er, hold the phone. The North Atlantic Treaty Organization... Why is it pursuing membership that far east? Well, of course, NATO should have been dissolved when the Cold War ended and the Soviet Union fell apart. I mean, that was its original goal, mm -hmm. was to contain the Soviet Union. Well, when a, a state self-destructs and dismembers itself, you could hardly get more contained than that. Right. Um, and no, uh, that's not what happened. NATO continued to roll on to new membership. What's interesting here is that the U.S. is pushing hard for the Ukraine and Georgia to gain entry into the NATO membership plan. Well, this might explain some of uh, Putin's uh, paranoia and a belligerent language, uh, one would imagine. But uh, James Blitz and Stefan Wagstill in the Financial Times write <clears throat> that uh, these diplomats add that Germany, France, Greece, Italy, Norway, and Spain are against the move. A significant milestone on the road to full membership amid sharp differences over the implications for the alliance's relations with Russia. Well, all those countries just named are going to be buying the natural gas from Gazprom. Sure. And so why would they want to add an extra outside interference into what have been called tense relations between the Ukraine and Russia? This is only making things worse for Europe. And maybe now that's what NATO's secret function is, is to destabilize Europe. Well, and, and oddly, that's the justification for why uh, NATO is in Afghanistan. But the, right. The, and there's a lot of grumbling from the United States about uh, the fact that some of the NATO members are, quote, not pulling their weight in Afghanistan. 
But I think many of the NATO members are beginning to wonder uh, what on earth is going on in Afghanistan regarding the mission, so to speak. Um, of course, the relevant country in that list that you enumerated is Germany, and I think it would be behoove Americans to begin to realize that Germany over time may start becoming closer to Russia than they are the United States. Indeed. Uh, Bismarck once made a famous statement to the effect of, God looks over three types of people, drunks, fools, and the United States of America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting words on yeah. St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> interesting words on St. Patrick's Day. And, uh, of course, Bush is a former drunk. He is a fool. And yeah, he continues to believe that God looks over us. So you begin to wonder about those words of Bismarck uttered in the 19th century. It's always important to remember, too, that in spite of the fact that Germany uh, had to endure the... Uh, the horrors of the Nazis for too many years. Um, this is was the part of, of Europe that had the, the strongest left-wing political movement uh, in the early part of the 20th century, and it does still today, Indeed. as the Greens were in the recent uh, alliance coalition government with the uh, Social Democrats in that country. Skepticism in Germany about America abounds, and of course... I've always argued that the winners of the Cold War, uh, besides the obvious uh, countries in Eastern Europe, were clearly uh, Germany and Japan. Um, the United States was not a winner. Uh, they wasted trillions of dollars and killed millions of people in third world countries that there seems to be no recognition of by a large percentage of the people here in the United States, hence the moral Outrage over the Reverend Wright's words, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you know, Reverend Wright, we don't need to talk about him. He obviously is a pastor, a man of the cloth, and theatrics, and... One goddamn hell of a show. Genuflection. <laughs> and putting on one hell of a show uh, is part of the job description of uh, people of, of the cloth. I'm sure we'll have to and can talk about him at some future date. But let's remember, folks, this is the fifth year anniversary on the very day, by the way. Indeed. About 8 o'clock p.m. on St. Patty's Day. Back in 2003, this was the night that George Bush gave Saddam Hussein 48 hours to leave Iraq or we would start bombing them. There was no U.N. resolution authorizing it. George Bush did not go before Congress and uh, establish that there had been, quote, material breaches of U.N. resolutions by Iraq, as outlined in the congressional resolution that was uh, ramrodded through Congress of, in October of 2002 as a Karl Rove election ploy. Um, I don't know why there isn't more debate, by the way, about the actual wording of the congressional re resolution since Obama and Hillary Clinton talked so much about it. But it's very troubling when Dick Cheney, uh, who made a surprise visit today to Iraq, very different from the visit that the president of Iran made several weeks ago. He uh, seemed to have gotten a parade and announced his intention to visit Iraq. Yeah. 
I don't know if he got a 21-gun salute. I don't know whether Cheney got a 21-gun salute. But when you hear Dick Cheney uh, claiming that uh, Iraq has been a success, you begin to wonder uh, if there is a doctor in the house. Or that, or if that's just, you know, the, the ultimate in uh, hypocritical equivocation, because uh, has on what levels has Iraq been a success? Well, the uh, dismantling of our own military system, whereby we now go through the private sector to fund such things as used to be contained within the army itself, that simple things like laundry detail and food service, um, of course, Halliburton has uh, thrived during this time and as a former CEO that is of course near and dear to his pension <laughs> his pension and his uh, crippled heart uh, not unlike uh, <clears throat> some sort of uh, bizarre character from a Dr. Seuss story um, and it was nice to see uh, Cheney and McCain uh, hand in hand if you will um, visiting the uh, success that is Iraq yeah, and to call it a success is, I think, mind-boggling. Um, the, the New Nation magazine is out, by the way, um, with a lot of different articles about the costs of the war, uh, something that George Bush II um, doesn't quite understand, even though he is a optimistic fellow. Uh so I would urge listeners to check that out. And by the way, in the, in the front of it, they note that the uh, United States heretofore has spent $522 billion in Iraq, more than, and uh, this year's spending will easily top $160 billion. Uh, you can do the math. This has uh, exceeded the cost of Vietnam. The United States has turned Iraq into Afghanistan. Uh, after turning Afghanistan into Afghanistan, uh, courtesy of... Uh, so big new Brzezinski and the escalated policies of promoting Mujahideen yeah. terrorism uh, by the Reagan administration. One of our Cold War victories, quite a victory it was, <laughs> and I continue to wait the parades, the ticker tape parades that have not yet happened over this victory. By the way, there is a, an incredible myth about the surge that I wanted to bring to everyone's attention. Uh, Sunday's New York Times uh, has a sort of a, a headline on the front page, Stolen Oil Profits Keep Iraq's Insurgency Running. Um, it's by Richard Oppel. And he has a couple of graphs in the context of the article. The article is basically about how the uh, <coughs> insurgency has no problem acquiring money. They simply <laughs> steal oil and... Uh, probably are getting some of their funds from members of the current Iraqi government that uh, seems to be working so diligently at uh, creating peace in Iraq. But I think the most interesting graph that he's got, he's got violence, troops, electricity, oil production, and gas supply. And, of course, these all show very uh, choppy lines here and there um, with uh, violence, of course, probably being the choppiest. But what is interesting are the troop levels. Don't believe the myth about a surge. Yes, there are more American troops in Iraq. They have merely replaced, quote-unquote, coalition forces that have withdrawn. So if you look at the, quote, troop 
levels in Iraq, they are virtually the same uh, since the occupation began in the, in the very short months after the invasion, which, of course, shows no coalition forces uh, in the first two months. That was an American invasion. Uh, there were, of course, some Brits and I believe some Aussies that participated. The Kangaroo Brigade was probably called out to the bush by the bugles. But, um, yeah, there needs to be a certain skepticism about the surge. I think that Patrick Coburn, by the way, who uh, has been in Baghdad for a number of years now. Yeah, since the 70s, so he knows what he's talking about. He, uh, he pretty much argues, I, I heard him on an interview on BBC several weeks ago, and I believe he was also on Fresh Air sort of regurgitating the same thing. I believe he's got a book uh, either eminently to be published or recently published, and he pretty much notes that the uh, city of Baghdad has been successfully ethnically cleansed, that the United States indeed has improved the violence situation there because they're on foot patrol, uh, marching up and down the streets and uh, asking for people's papers. So it doesn't quite sound like a situation in which you uh, want to be an optimistic fellow. Or and as for Dick success, Cheney right. claiming it uh, as, as success, this is absolutely remarkable. <laughs> um, of course, Admiral Fallon. Um, Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another surprising comfy chair moment. Um, yes. uh, interesting comment. And, and here it's all about appearances. Yeah. Because uh, apparently... Um, he was fully on board, but what's happened is this. Uh, he resigned because of an article in Esquire magazine, uh, known for its uh, prominent feature of uh, sort of busty women on the cover, a gentleman's magazine, yes, not, a, yeah. not a porn magazine by any stretch of the imagination. But Fashion uh, statements, is that what it specializes in? Yeah, I think essentially. I've read uh, Esquire. It's, uh, I'll have to read that article. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the article was flattering. Mm-hmm. No, this uh, in uh, the Financial Times by Dimitri Sevastopolo. Uh, in a flattering Esquire magazine article, Thomas Barnett, the former professor at the Naval War College, described the Admiral as, quote, the rarest of creatures in the Bush universe, the good cop on Iran, a man of strategic brilliance. So why resign? And uh, interesting comments from Robert Gates, U.S. Defense Secretary, who accepted the resignation, disagreed that Admiral Fallon held different views on Iran to the president, but added that his resignation was, quote, the right thing to do. Now, they're scrambling a little bit because um, there's a concern over how to replace him. (laughs) Um, This is a rather difficult uh, position to hold. Uh, since the Spanish Inquisition is omnipresent in the Bush administration. <laughs> right. And uh, it says here further down, in announcing his resignation, Admiral Fallon said that the perception that he was at odds with the administration was making it impossible to do his job. I don't understand how that computes. Yeah, well, and the, the, the sad reality, the facts are that, you know, Admiral Fallon is in charge of the whole region. And his basic argument, which I think most rational people agree with, is that the United States has too many troops in Iraq and not enough troops in Afghanistan, and Osama bin Laden is, is in Pakistan, so we're actually in two countries where he is not. So, 
Uh, he has more important concerns than George Bush's historical legacy. And as for the fact that this is yet one more military uh, top person to uh, leave the Bush administration under these circumstances, one has to conclude that if you're not on the team, whatever that means, um, with the program. Right. Well, in this case, he <laughs> claims board. he is on board, <laughs> yeah. but that the appearance that he's not on board is itself sufficient. And either that's just, you know, being polite right. and not wanting to admit the extent to which he disagrees over the handling of uh, the belligerent uh, rhetoric, uh, saber rattling, if you will, against sure. Iran. Um, and the overall strategy. I mean, it's yeah. just fundamentally flawed uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, and, and of course, the concern of many high ranking military people is fundamentally that, that, that the, the, the Iraq occupation is destroying the American military. Right. Um, Douglas McGregor, for instance, is one of the most vociferous former military critics of how the Bush administration is conducting these, uh, quote, globe, the global war on terrorism. And his observation is quite clear. Um, we are, we've bought off the Sunni insurgency for the time being. Um, I think it's called the Awakening. The Sunni Awakening, the Awakening Councils. It's got really fascinating religious connotations. Um, but bribery is what what this is yeah. all about. We're paying the the Iraqi some ninety one thousand Iraqis. We're throwing cash all over the place in the Anbar province to temporarily buy peace. And as uh, Thomas Ricks pointed out many months ago, we have no idea what side these people really are on, and they may switch allegiances at any time. Well, and to go back to the chart that you were talking about, the relatively stable numbers of, of U.S. troops in the region, the entire epithet of surge is itself false advertising, mm -hmm. um, which was suspected from the start. You know, it sounded like some sort of new Mountain Dew product, um, you know, Mountain Dew surge. Um, but there really has not been a, a surge in numbers. No, and, and the surge in numbers... The announcement of the surge, of course, corresponds to the beginning of actually a decline in violence. Uh, that decline, of course, was precipitated by uh, all sorts of other factors. I think that the main factor besides just outright bribery and throwing a lot of cash around uh, with the so-called Sunni awakening is the fact that um, Maqtada al-Sadr has called a temporary ceasefire that's uh, fortunately going to continue for another five more months. Um, and by the way, the uh, editorial page in Sunday's New York Times is fascinating uh, with the so-called military experts, including Richard Pearl, of all people, and Frederick Kagan. These are some of Bush's high-ranking advisors. Not, a, not enough critiques here of the war in Iraq, instead criticisms of the tactics. But Anthony Cordesman is always an interesting analyst um, to pay attention to because I think he gets things on the money, even though he is conservative and admits in his uh, brief statement that he is a Republican. He writes, and I'll just read this because I think it's interesting what he says. He says, in fairness to the Bush administration, I did not 
expect that we would discover no meaningful activity in rebuilding Iraq's weapons of mass destruction and no Iraqi ties to al-Qaeda. I also never predicted after the insurgency began that the extremists in al-Qaeda of Mesopotamia would so alienate Sunnis and tribes in western Iraq that a combination of, quote, surge, win, and hold military tactics, American nation-building efforts that focused on local and provincial needs, and that the ceasefire declared by Maqtada al-Sadr could create today's new opportunity, quote, for victory, unquote. He puts that word in quotes because we hear the word victory being thrown around quite a bit by John McCain. We don't know what it means or what they're talking about. But as he concludes his brief critique, he states, as a Republican, I would never have believed that President Bush, Vice President Dick Cheney, and Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld would waste so many opportunities and so much of America's reputation that they would rival Lyndon Johnson, Robert McNamara, and McGeorge Bundy for the worst wartime national security team in U.S. history. Here, here. Yeah. Uh, and they call. may have actually surpassed them because McNamara, uh, at least by uh, 67, knew that Vietnam was a flop. Uh, he commissioned the Pentagon Papers to mm -hmm. analyze uh, why we had gotten in the muddy... I think that was the phrase back then. We're in the sand, dude. <laughs> the muddy has been replaced by the sand. It's even more harsh. Now I don't know if you saw this uh, this this headline. Oh God, yeah, it actually uh, <laughs> ruined a meal for me. <laughs> uh, pretty remarkable. Unbelievable. The only thing we can say is only in America is this is this possible. But it's so funny, so surreal. <laughs> That I think I'm going to have to read part of this. this Go is for it. Two years in a bathroom while we get ready for uh, Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Only in America, Associated Press, Roxana Hegeman, um, dated the 13th of March. Was that Friday the 13th? Indeed. I don't know, but authorities are considering charges in the bizarre case of a woman who stayed in her, her boyfriend's bathroom for two years, spending most of her time on the toilet so that her body was stuck to the seat when the man finally called police. The 35-year-old Nest City woman's skin had grown around the seat. And authorities said that the hospital, quote, we pried the toilet seat off with a pry bar and the seat went with her to the hospital. Okay, <laughs> now just imagine this. Two years. Um, apparently this boyfriend, what a guy. A loving companion, no doubt. Yeah, um, and you got to love the guy's <laughs> the sheriff's name, Brian Whipple. Remember Mr. Whipple from the uh, Charmin tissue ads? Don't squeeze the Charmin. <laughs> I mean, this can be turned into a... <laughs> We're taking that too literally. ...TV show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, America's longest bathroom occupant. <laughs> Next said She was not glued. <laughs> she was not tied. I sensing a Dr. Seuss <laughs> <laughs> coming into the room. She was just physically stuck with her body, unquote. Mr. Whipple said. <laughs> 
it's hard to imagine. I still have a hard time imagining it myself. <laughs> Most of us don't want to imagine it. <laughs>